0: From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson.
1: But thanks, Rob, and welcome to Sox Machine Live, everyone. I am Josh Nelson alongside Jim Margulis, and it is July 22nd, 2021, as we are streaming this episode live on our YouTube page at youtube.com. Slash Machine, and for those that are also watching on SocksMachine.com and we're also streaming this on Twitch uh, which you could watch my twitch stream at Sox Machine Josh I don't do much with it other than Sox Machine live at the moment uh, And then a periscope for those that are watching on Twitter that follow us on Twitter at Sox Machine. And at machine underscore Josh, thank you for tuning in. And for those that are listening to the podcast feed, as always, we love you guys too. Thank you so much for listening to the audio version of this episode of Sox Machine Live. And for this episode, there's quite a bit that we're going to be discussing. Yes, we will talk about Yerman Mercedes. But this weekend series for the Chicago White Sox is where most of the attention should be when talking about the white Sox, because this is going to be a marquee series in all of major league baseball going to milwaukee and facing the milwaukee brewers the milwaukee brewers are first place in the national league central and man these pitching probables are Awesome. You got Freddy Peralta against Lucas Giolito on Friday. You got Corbin Burns against Carlos Rodon on Saturday. And then you got Brandon Woodruff against Lance Lynn on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. And the best part is A-Rot's not broadcasting the game. So there's a lot to be excited about for this upcoming weekend. And oh, by the way, we are also hosting a tailgate in Milwaukee, which we'll share those details later in this episode. So a lot of exciting things to talk about. Um, But we're going to start with this episode with some breaking news uh, from ESPN's Jeff Passan and was confirmed by our old friend Dan Hayes, who is the Minnesota Twins beat writer for The Athletic. Uh, One of the big dominoes as far as his trade market. Nelson Cruz has been traded from the Minnesota Twins to the Tampa Bay Rays. And Jim, there's a part of me that when I saw this trade... I just said to myself, damn it, (laughs) why couldn't it be any other team? Why does it have to be the Rays? Because the White Sox still have to play the Rays in Tampa uh, in mid-August. And the way that this postseason could possibly shake out, it wouldn't surprise me if it's the White Sox and Rays in the divisional series. What are your thoughts about the, uh, the, the trade as far as Tampa Bay acquiring Nelson Cruz? It really makes no
2: difference. I wish it made more of a difference. I wish the White Sox and the Twins had a backloaded schedule to where they'd play each other like nine times over August and September, and thus you'd really feel the relief. But like you said, they play the Rays three times. They only have three games left, with the Twins. So it feels more or less anticlimactic. And, and you know, like you said, Tampa will be in the postseason picture. Whether they cross paths with the White Sox remains to be seen, but. He's still going to be looming, and that's not fun. I mean, I don't fear him the way that, uh, yeah, just because he is beatable, like as we saw with Lucas Giolito striking him out three times, uh, you can beat him up in the zone. You just have to execute. It's uh, And, you know, executing is easier said than done, but he has basically one swing, maybe two swings sometimes. He can inside out it sometimes. so, But basically the bat path follows the same kind of, Uppercut plane, so if you can get on top of that, you can beat him. So it, he doesn't strike the 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 fear of God in me, but I think he's a great fit for that Rays team. Uh, he helps with their bat to ball abilities because right now that's really their only weakness offensively, is that they don't strike out, and he doesn't really strike out all that much for as much power as he provides. So he provides some balance there. Uh, yeah, the the Twins seem to do okay when it comes to how well the pitchers are regarded. I'm blanking on their names right now, but. Um, I, I'm struck by, or I'm not exactly sure what the Twins pitching apparatus is, the quality of it, um, mm-hmm. their ability to finish prospects. So seeing two pitchers comes back, um, I think the Twins need, I think the value is fine. It's more a matter of just whether the Twins can prove that they can develop pitchers and finish pitchers in a way that actually hurts the Sox. So I think that positive for the Sox, just, you know, getting crews out of the division and, and having the Twins have to reconsider exactly what they're doing.
1: Yeah, I think one of the pitchers that the Minnesota Twins got in return from Tampa Bay is Joe Ryan. And reading mm-hmm. his scouting report, electric fastball, there might not be a second offering. So there is extreme reliever risk, even though they both pitchers that they required, uh, it looks like there's some promising arsenal that they both have. But there mm-hmm. seems to be... This recurring theme in the scouting reports that they're probably more relievers than starting pitchers. And the Twins will take it, right? Because we have seen their bullpen in action in the past week, uh, past week series uh, between the White Sox and Twins. The Minnesota Twins could use better arms in their bullpen yeah uh, there was a story
2: in the yeah. athletic about uh west johnson i think before the season talking about the twins bullpen i, I believe aaron gleeman wrote it and johnson just providing a pitcher by pitcher breakdown of what that pitcher was doing wrong or how he can improve and it made it sound so simple like Al- alex calumet was one of them and then you see the season that Colomay has and that's what makes me think like ah eh, maybe johnson is you know just an ordinary pitching coach he's not i mean they made a huge jump with him the first year in the organization but that's partially because they are going away from Rick Anderson going away from the Ron Gardenhire era and how outdated that they were to where just they were basically suppressing the talent on their own staff so I think Johnson's administration did a good job of writing pitchers who might have been held back by exactly what Rick Anderson was teaching but I think now that Johnson's his own I almost called him Wes Anderson. (laughs) Wes Johnson is his own guy, and he has his own talent that he's bringing in. Now I think it's a whole different step for the Twins and uh, the standards he's trying to
1: establish and force for his pitchers. Maybe not quite there yet. Well, maybe Wes Johnson and Wes Anderson have the same style. Yeah, the same aesthetic. Uh, do you think that this trade, because as we speak, Tampa Bay is a game behind the Boston Red Sox in the American League East. Adding Nelson Cruz, do you think that this is enough offensive firepower now for Tampa Bay to overtake Boston in the American League East?
2: Maybe, but Boston's getting Chris Sale back, and that's the kind of case where they have their own upgrade. And even if Sale isn't, you know, Chris Sale, uh, the Condor, Cy Young finalist at the height of his powers they still have room to improve in that Boston rotation. Like Boston has strengths, but the rotation is not one of them. So perhaps, uh, you know, there'll be some head-to-head battles between the two of them. Um, But it really seemed like the Rays were the only sensible destination for Cruz, like the National League team's showing interest. Worth kicking the tires like the time that the Dodgers acquired Jim Tomey. Like if nobody else is going to acquire him, like we may as well. uh, Type, Mm -hmm. you know, situation where if the Rays solve the DH position somewhere else, then maybe... Some National League team says, well, we can use that bat. The American League parks and throw them at first base or whatever. But uh, it really made sense, the Rays, all the way. So uh, I was more or less expecting it and bracing for it.
1: Still sucks. National League teams, you guys are cowards. Cowards! Not trading for Nelson Cruz. Ride the snake. (sighs) All right. So this next topic... In a month, we may say is the dumbest thing we've talked about during the 2021 season. And it is Yermer Mercedes. And I I say dumb because in the last 24 hours, it's been very dramatic surrounding Yerma Mercedes. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's playing the game in Durham with the Charlotte Knights. He gets pulled in the sixth inning. He posts on Instagram that he's tired and he's stepping away from the game of baseball. And... That sets off shockwaves, especially on social media. Um, the only thing I tweeted was, "I'm very confused by the announcement. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure what's going on. If it's something with that mental was the way health, to go. Yeah, Well, if it was something with <laughs> mental health, it's just like yeah. uh, I, I don't know on how to approach this. I'm hoping that he can elaborate further. Uh, the White Sox seem to be caught off guard. Manager Tony La Russa was caught off guard. Said that he would reach out to Yervin Mercedes. And then today, he posts another Instagram, uh, and it's the image of a phoenix rising from the ashes, and that he's not going to quit after playing 10 years of professional baseball continuing to chase his dream. And you do have his uncle tweeted and provided, I think, some key insight, is that Yerman is just frustrated about his situation right now, that he is in AAA, and he mm-hmm. didn't get a fair shot as far as catching in the major league level to prove if he is better defensively than Zach Collins and Sebby Zavala, and I can understand that. There's a lot of guys in AAA who are pretty frustrated right now that they're playing at that level. Uh, when watching Aloy Jimenez against the Gwinnett Stripers, Gwinnett's got Yomer Sanchez and Jason Kipnis on their team. I'm sure those mm-hmm. two guys aren't thrilled playing in AAA baseball. Uh, so it mm-hmm. happens and plenty of guys in the minor leagues get fed up with it and they decide to leave. Uh, here's my take on the thing. And I'll let you go, Jim, as far as to elaborate. Mm-hmm. This is very You're melodramatic. Me? <laughs> no, I'm not firing you. Uh, it, it's all very melodramatic. Mm-hmm. It, and if, if this is the way that he's going to react as far as to his situation, He's not the only White Sox prospect. I mean, Gavin Sheets and Jake Berger are going to get some bad news soon. They're going to be returning to Charlotte when Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert are healthy and ready to rejoin the team. Uh, And they're probably not making a postseason roster. If if this is the way that Yomer Mercedes is, is going to act right now as far as his situation, I think it's best for all parties involved that the Chicago White Sox find him a new team by July 30th. And we talked about try and trade you remember Mercedes at a package mm-hmm. for Starling Marte to Miami. And we knew that package had no chance in hell. Uh, but I, I I do think it's just best for both parties because if he's frustrated with his situation right now, the White Sox don't need this, especially they have so much that they have to handle in the major league level that they don't need the manager at the major league level to call a player down in AAA to calm him down and, prevent them from retiring. I say, mm-hmm. if this is how your Mercedes feels cool. Find him a new team by July 30th. And if you can't let him go and let him be a free agent and let him find himself a new team where he has a better chance of making a major league roster. Cause if it's a bad fit for all parties, then there's no reason to continue the relationship. So that's how I feel. And I'll let, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. let you have the floor on this topic.
2: Well, uh, There is a um, comparable situation with the Cubs in 2016 with Tommy LaStella doing something similar where he got optioned down or sent down to AAA. Maybe a controversial move in, in terms of like he was still a quality major league player, is a quality major league player, although he's hurt this year. But just he's shown since then that he can hang in the majors and he was frustrated by being sent down, briefly retired, didn't report immediately to AAA, kind of pouted That's the about situation. it. situation. Because I,
1: I was trying to remember, yeah. like, what was the time of the Stella situation? But he didn't show up to AAA. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, and briefly talked about retiring, then, like, initially talked himself back into it, factored into the Cubs roster later on, was on the postseason roster, but not, I think Kyle Schwerber took his spot for the World Series, but they had, you know, at least surfaced during October, and then he's since proved himself as, like, better than that and uh just you know smooth it all out like he he stuck with it he didn't have a similar instance and so he was allowed that one episode of just you know battling his feelings in public and having a little bit of a pity party but you know ultimately he he endured and i think mercedes you know kind of doing the same thing right now i i think he's a more extreme story just because of everything he's been through and he probably thought like rookie of the month in april like uh it's it's like the frank sinatra song that's life riding high not, april shot down in may and that's basically what he's been living the whole time like you know, and then you know early june he gets sent down triple a and for somebody who probably thought he made it had a had a burger named after him that you tried just uh he was on the all-star game marketing which uh some of those posters still made to denver he was still seen uh on uh, some of the publicity materials there so it's been a weird year for him so i get that and that's why i'm not completely you know just done with him and, and can allow it i think the Couple things is one that he has a little bit of a reputation that precedes him. I think he did leave his winter ball team just kind of randomly, so he does have a um, you know a track record of you know with the White Sox not showing up on time before then you know leaving a team, um, and then you know you had the unsaid allegations of uh indiscretions with previous organizations that let him go which we don't exactly know but mm-hmm. you know maybe you can piece it together just overall lack of discipline thing where you're just not the most reliable person um so there's that and then you know he also prefaced it with instagram a little bit you know, kind of foreshadowed before the game and it kind of you know that seems like you know, it wasn't just a one you know post game height of my frustration freak out it seemed like a little bit more calculated than that, or he had a little bit more time, a little bit more of a runway before takeoff. So that's what makes me think, like, okay, it's the, you know, he had some time for somebody to step in and say, like, are you sure you want to do this?" You know, rather than you know, you know, being the kind of passive-aggressive, um, yeah, kind of like we we know people on Facebook who do that. Just, <laughs> just like these lengthy diatribes uh, that are they don't really specify anything. They're they're supposed to elicit pity or, you know, what's wrong and concerned, but they don't actually come out and say it is and you actually get the help he needs or the, you know, the, the, um, yeah, he's not proactive in terms of, uh, here's my problem. How do we solve it? Um, the one thing I, I will say about the, you know, maybe where I can understand him is if with the whole idea of him being a catcher. And did they say he could be a catcher? And was he in the catching plans? Because he never really factored in it during the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he goes down to Charlotte. He has nine games there, but that's because they kind of need him behind the plate. He's got seven pass balls in nine games. So, you know, perhaps that proves that he's not a catcher. Perhaps there's some rust and the White Sox didn't let him work at it. We know from Tony La Russa's public comments that he doesn't dismiss anybody's talent. Like he talks of everybody's talent. So if he's saying the same thing to Mercedes' face that he was saying publicly that Mercedes can catch, he has multiple position uh, that he can cover, that he can contribute uh, around the diamond at the major league level. And he tells him that and then doesn't give him the chance. I can see that being a bit, you know, being a bit, you know, I guess yanked around and and wanting some clarity on a situation. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm a bit more forgiving than you, but I think there's also the case where, you know, he does have a bit of a reputation of just, Wanting things done his way, and if it doesn't happen, uh, he doesn't quite understand that he hasn't quite made it. <laughs> and uh, when you have a team that has World Series aspirations, is on track to plan for October, I think, you know, he does have to, I guess, understand his, you know, how his actions may be taken, or at least have somebody who can say like, hey, you might want not want to do this. <laughs> you might still have a chance. So it is... It's tricky, and you know, I don't want to say too much in in terms of what he's dealing with because it could be like I wrote about this on on Socks Machine saying, like, you know, you don't want to rush to say, like, you know, well, maybe he's dealing with mental health issues, maybe doesn't have support because you know, he just might be being a little bit of a dick right now. (laughs) There's a case that just uh, you know, people have moments where they're just less than themselves because they want to be and they get past it and it's fine. But there's also a case where, you know, he could have been fed something by White Sox management that didn't line up with his experience. So it's, it's you know, we just don't know much now that he's back from, you know, saying he was retired. Um, I think that just shows how unpredictable it is right now and, and all the hot takes about Tony LaRusa ruining his career might have been premature and so i think that basically tells us from here to see like let's see how the next week goes and then maybe the series after that and then see like what the white Sox do at the deadline and then see what the path is from there
1: i am a bit curious to see what's gonna happen in the next week yeah i could see the possibility the white Sox holding on to your mercedes more depth uh, we still don't have an exact timeline when Yasmani Grandal is going to be rejoining the Chicago White Sox. Uh, we think it's going to be sometime in August. He's already jogging uh, with the team uh, during the, the White Sox Twin Series at Guarantee Ray Field. Uh, so he could be coming back sooner than later. And when that does happen, Subby's Zavala will drop down. But as far as you and Mercedes being a catcher, and maybe if that's adding to his frustration, Jim... Uh, Zach Collins is terrible defensively. There's no other way for me to describe his defensive ability behind home plate. And it, it blows my mind because the White Sox starting pitching is the best in Major League Baseball right now. You are the one calling the pitches. And my Lord, I don't know if there is some... Lost in translation, what he is calling for and what the White Sox pitchers are throwing to him at times. But mm-hmm. a lot of these pass balls or wild pitches, he just seems completely off guard, like caught off guard. Uh, so Zach Collins is terrible defensively. And if I'm your Mercedes and I think mm-hmm. I'm better than Zach Collins defensively, maybe there's a conversation to be had about that. Uh, Sebi Zavala, I think is better defensively, but poor Sebi, he can't hit. Uh, <laughs> so the catching situation yeah. right now for the White Sox without Yasmany Grandal is it, not good. And if that, if Yermin's looking at the catching situation in Chicago and telling himself, hey, I'm better than mm-hmm. both of these guys defensively, uh, uh, yes, I think he's better than Sebi offensively. But I, I'm not exactly sure if, if he is better than both of them defensively from the little that I've seen Mercedes catch uh, as far as watching the streams. And if you're mentioning that he's already got seven pass balls in nine games, you know, the, the problem is he's such a big dude and he's so stout behind home plate. He just doesn't move well laterally at all. And mm-hmm. I, I could, and that's what caused yeah. a lot of pass balls when I watched them and you can't have that in the major leagues. And I say that, and we're seeing it now with Zach Collins.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I think with, I think with Collins, like the, the tricky thing with him is like his package as uh you know, his his skills package as a catcher, like, you know, a left-handed bat with occasional power can draw a walk, can catch a game, uh, pitchers don't mind throwing to him that's like a perfectly adequate backup catcher profile especially when you have the starting catcher like Yasmani grandal like collins is fine you know he's proven himself to be mm-hmm. fine when you have as a as a as a number two catcher behind a good number one uh that that's sure. a career there you know that's that's good um but when you have uh the number one catcher out it's it's the number one catching profile that's been phased out of the game. Like being that rough as a receiver, being rough as a blocker, um, you know, being the okay game caller and having a bat. Like that's we t- we've talked about Ryan Domit, and yeah, I think Domit was way worse than Collins has improved to a level that just makes him, you know, one of the worst Good catchers, way. but just the, the worst catcher now is is better than the worst catcher ten years ago. But still just when you have that kind of profile stretched out to a number one. You can't bring in a Yermin Mercedes behind him and have like a worse blocker and maybe a worse receiver and not a great game caller. You need somebody who can provide some relief to a pitcher who needs help grabbing strikes or you know needs help um, with pitches in the dirt. And that's I think why Mercedes, you know, Mercedes is backing up the wrong guy. Like say if the number two catcher was like a Martin Maldonado and then Martin Maldonado gets bumped up to number one duties, and then Mercedes can slap behind a Martin Maldonado because you're not expecting any defensive improvement there you don't need the defensive improvement you just need like a you know maybe you, you appreciate the right-handed bat against a certain pitcher and, and think he can uh, run into one but with Collins there and being as flautty as, de- as defensively you can't really add another catcher so it is a it, it's an unfortunate fit for Mercedes uh just because if Collins were the one that got hurt and Grandal is there then I could see Mercedes being called up because Grandal can catch four games in a series if need be Mercedes can catch the guy that they think is, is you yeah, know, perhaps, you yeah, know, maybe a Dallas Keiko won't have the, uh, you yeah, know, more pitches are, are going to be made, uh, are are going to have contact on them and won't get to Mercedes than with other pitchers. So that's, I think, what might be frustrating, you know, adding to his frustration here is that Zavala is not good. Collins is not good, in one respect, but the way they pair, uh, you know, Mercedes just
1: doesn't fit in. And, we, we have in the comments section the Yehrman supporters, the Yehrman stands, you know, maybe not appreciate taking shots at Mercedes because it is a shock to perform so well in April to be rookie of the month in the American League. And then a couple months later, you are sent down. But this happens all the time. And it's going to happen to Gavin Sheets. And it's going to happen to Jake Berger very soon. And these guys are hitting as well and if they react the way the same way that your mercedes is reacting i'm going to call them melodramatic as well because Mm -hmm. they don't have a firm grasp on the situation on hand on where their talent level is today in comparison to the talent level the white Sox have within their championship core and for mercedes the dude doesn't hit velocity he has a fundamentally flawed load in the lower half of his swing He is too big of a dude to have that high of a leg kick. And it slows everything down. It creates these majestic home runs. And it's great if you're playing 16-inch softball. But if you got someone like Dylan Cease on the mound, who's pumping 97, 98, he doesn't have a prayer. And we saw that routinely in the month of May and in June before he got sent down. And if he's working on those things, great. But from what I'm seeing in Charlotte, while watching as far as their games because Aloy Jimenez is playing, he's not making that adjustment. So I don't know what Yerma Mercedes is doing to make himself better, to get called up. But if this is the way that he's reacting right now because he's frustrated about his situation, that's why I'm in the party of, then fine. Find him a new team before July 30th. And everybody goes on their separate ways. Thank you, Jermaine, for the month of April if we win the world series, we'll mail you your world series ring. And honestly, this is a lot of chatter about a player in triple a. That's not going to provide that much impact out of the current roster of the Charlotte Knights right now. We probably should be talking about Eloy's coming back soon and he's going to be here, uh, during the Kansas city series, just a few more games. And that's super exciting, but no, because your was so popular in the month of April and so many white Sox fans attached to him, uh, He's a folk hero that this is why it's a story. And he's not the only AAA player that's pissed right now to be playing at that level. And he won't be the last, as Gavin Sheets and Jake Berger are going to be joining him as soon as Aloy Heminis and Luis Robert are healthy.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
3: All right,
1: so let's move on from that topic, and let's talk about this upcoming weekend, where all of the attention, in my opinion, should be for the Chicago White Sox as they head up to Milwaukee. Milwaukee's a very festive place right now, as the Milwaukee Bucks won the NBA Finals in six games over the Phoenix Suns. Uh, fun fact, so they had this uh, mm-hmm. this watch party set up outside of the arena gym, and... Uh, <laughs> This, this is going to sound really odd for those that live in Chicago or in Illinois, but 65,000 Bucks fans went to this watch party. That watch party would be a top 10 population city in the state of Wisconsin. <laughs> so if you're above like 60,000 in population. You're in the top 10 for most populated city in the state of Wisconsin. So (laughs) that watch party was in the top 10 of the most populous area in the state of Wisconsin. It would be number
2: 19 in Illinois.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just a, just a bit of a difference uh, between Wisconsin and, and Illinois, but it's a very festive time. Uh, fans in Milwaukee are super pumped. They should be the Bucks won the NBA finals and the Milwaukee Brewers are also uh, a, a very good team. And uh, I want to start with this because it's the big event uh, Sox machine alongside with our friends from the 108 are co-hosting a tailgate on saturday july 24th and we finally got more details for the event i have i've created a post on socksmachine.com uh that has the details of the event uh i'm also posting it on twitter as well so if you follow us on twitter at socksmachine machine and at socks machine underscore josh you'll be able to get the information but the parking lot's going to open at three o'clock we are aiming for the robin yount parking lot the yount parking lot. That's what we're aiming for. So when you're going to American family field, a.k.a. Miller Park, you are aiming for the Yount parking lot. Uh, if you want to buy your parking pass early, it's $13 plus the $2 ticket master fee. So it's $15 online. If you pay when you drive up to the gate, it's $20. We'll be there and have things set up. We'll be in the designated tailgate grids. We got two tailgate grids, which I'm told can hold up to 100 plus people. And based on the Google form and the... Amount of tweets that I'm getting and the emails, we could have around 150 White Sox fans showing up to the tailgate. So it's going to be one heck of a party. Uh, Goose Island hooked up our friends from the 108 uh, as far as providing beer at the event. Uh, we've had some awesome volunteers who are going to be bringing some grills, and they got a bunch of Polish sausages and hot dogs that we're going to be grilling up. It's going to be a, a lot of fun. So if you are going to the Saturday Milwaukee Brewers and Chicago White Sox game at American Family Field, uh, stop by and say hi because I will be there. And so will Jim. Jim is going to yeah, be coming help me. to Milwaukee. Yeah, Josh will be picking me up from the airport. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm ex- I'm super yeah. excited. I'm super excited. So, uh Thank you for everyone that's gotten the vaccine to make this happen. I know that's a very popular topic right now in sports Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Tennessee, but what's yeah, that about every, the better everywhere. Uh, yeah. So it's it's great that we're able to do this. So it's going to be very exciting. So again, if if you already had plans of going to the game and you didn't know about the tailgate, uh, stop by. You can see Jim and I, and it'll be a ton of fun. And also, thank you to our friend Beefloaf in the YouTube comments, uh, reminding me uh, we have new koozies and it just so happens that i had one until uh kim cleaned our office area and now i have none by me uh to show off but yes come we, on i know come on. I, uh <laughs> yes we do have new koozies that we'll be giving out special edition koozies for that event uh so if you do stop by uh you can definitely pick up yourself uh, a special edition koozie from Sox machine and from the 108 so we're really excited so a big party on saturday and this again this series is just going to be one big party uh for those that are milwaukee brewers fans those are chicago white Sox fans and i think a lot of people around the league should also be paying attention to this series jim because I think this is the marquee series of the weekend, especially when you look at the pitching problems. I mentioned at the intro of this show, but Friday you got Freddy Peralta against Lucas Gilito. Peralta was an all-star and he pitched really well for the National League during that all-star game. And Lucas Gilito mm-hmm. is a former all-star himself. Saturday, you got Corbin Burns against Carlos Jordan. And then you got Brandon Woodruff against Lance Lynn on Sunday for ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. And when I look at these pitching probables, the first question I ask is, how are these teams going to score? Because I'm expecting some really low-scoring games, especially the marquee of starting pitching we're seeing in this series.
2: Yeah, it's nuts. Like, I'm looking at that that Saturday matchup, and I'm really looking forward, well, one, to seeing a White Sox game. I haven't seen one since uh, (laughs) 2019. So this will be my first time back. Still haven't made it back to uh, Sox Park yet, but at least it'll be – the White Sox in person somewhere, but yeah, you know, when you see that um, uh, you know pitching matchup between Rodon and Burns, and just seeing that Rodon is technically the superior pitcher because his ERA is two point one four versus Burns is two point one six, because they both have one hundred and forty <laughs> strikeouts, you know, so you can't separate them by that. Just I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Rodon in person. I'm looking forward to to the. Uh, It it should be fun um, to I don't think I've ever been in a road park where there should be that many White Sox fans like I've been to some stadiums Hmm. where like I would say DC has a number of transplants so I saw a fair amount of uh, people there I've been to Tampa in Tampa, you know, will sell but I mean, Tampa is so sparsely, um, you know, filled regardless of who's playing and the the dome makes everything sound distant so it, it, it mutes the atmosphere regardless but it, it, when it comes to like a, a visiting park that isn't like Wrigley Field because I've seen a an interleague across town game in Wrigley like I haven't seen like a mm. you know a visiting park where there should be a healthy contingent of White Sox fans reacting to what Carlos Redon is doing the way that you know and, and I've been jealous watching people in the stands at Sox games reacting to what Carlos Ordone is doing and and what Lance Lynn is doing and kind of seeing them feed off the crowd. So I'm really uh, curious. I mean, we'll be among White Sox fans. I'll be sitting in the 108s with the 108ers and such, but even people who are not in our tailgate, I mean, I I imagine there'll still be a healthy contingent of Sox fans there to be, uh, you know, lots of spontaneous, joyful reactions uh, for what the White Sox do in a park that is not their own.
1: Yeah, let's just not act like Cubs fans, though. Because Cubs Cubs fans call American Family Field and Miller or Miller Park, if you still want to use the old name, Wrigley North. Yeah, I I always roll my eyes at it. They don't own that stadium, Uh, and I think Brewers fans, especially season ticket holders, see a money making opportunity Mm -hmm. (laughs) to really price up their tickets for all the Cubs fans to. To buy them on StubHub. But no, this should be... It, it should be fun. Because mm-hmm. from a White Sox and Brewers fan base perspective, uh, even though when we were growing up, Jim, heated rivals. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> heated <laughs> rivals. Uh, Now it's like, we're friends. You know, we need the Brewers uh, to beat up on the Minnesota Twins. And the Brewers need the White Sox to beat up on the Chicago Cubs. And I often... You know, if, I'm not a really big believer, like having a second team to root for, mm-hmm. but I don't mind rooting for Milwaukee. They're always they always seem to be an underdog. It is a fantastic fan base, especially when the Brewers are playing well. I like the way that they have built their team instead of going a full rebuild, full teardown. Uh, they are finding ways to, to get these pieces on two-year, three-year contracts. They do a phenomenal job developing pitchers. Uh, and they may have made the most impactful trade so far this season in getting Willie Adamas at shortstop, who has just been playing terrific baseball ever since he's put on a Brewer's uniform. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to be an incredibly fun series. Uh, and, and I'm going to be really excited to, to be there in the stands on Saturday. So let's break this down from a perspective on the White Sox. How do you think the White Sox will win this series against Milwaukee? Where are going to be the keys for the White Sox to be successful, Jim?
2: I think uh, getting the game to the seventh inning with the starters. <laughs> I think that's going to be the the tricky part, the National League aspect of the series. Wondering if you know should there be a runner on second and two outs and. Uh, Lucas Giolito comes to the plate and you know if the White Sox are leading like say two to one and you could really use that run but you could also really use Giolito going extra inning what's La going to do is he going to trust a reliever who isn't Michael Kopech and or Garrett Crochet before then (laughs) like that's going to be the tension I think so if the you know White Sox can avoid the fifth sixth maybe seventh you know, like we at least try to get the uh, starting pitcher to start the seventh i think that would be ideal just because as we saw in the minnesota series it's just dicey right now anybody before michael kopech and even kopech had a rough uh you know kind of a shaky outing his last time out that's i think going to be the trickiest part the other thing too is uh good right-handed pitchers against this lineup and this is a good showcase for gavin sheets uh to be in the lineup and and you know showcases ability to play an outfield uh, in a National League park and perhaps offer some power or or some good contact against right-handed pitching. Uh, Also, I wonder, you know, if this is a case where they could use a bat like him, you know, maybe it raises his trade stock, but will it also inspire the White Sox to keep him if they could really use that left-handed bat that can make contact against good right-handed pitching? So I think he is a fascinating individual player to watch as well in this series. Yeah, he's
1: going to have to play right field some games because... The White Sox yeah. will need his bat. They'll need Brian Goodwin's bat, whether in left or in center field. Adam Engel's been playing back-to-back days since coming off the injured list. Uh, so that's been good to see. But you know, offensively, this really surprised me when I was just breaking down as far as numbers. Because if you want to look at wins above replacement for starting pitching staffs, the White Sox are number one in baseball. The Milwaukee Brewers are number two. So that's just nice. It just adds fuel to this uh, marquee matchup. But the Chicago White Sox, this surprised me, Jim. In the month of July through July 22nd, according to Fangraphs.com, the Chicago White Sox lead the majors in weighted runs created plus in the month of July. White Sox hitters are a combined 135 weighted runs created plus. They are performing 35% better than league average. This has been their most productive month offensively in the 2021 season. And you wrote about one reason why and Yoan Mikada making far better contact. And now he's hitting for power, mm-hmm. which plus up, uh, we've been waiting for that, uh, from Mikada, but Jose Abreu, Jim is heating up. And I know mm-hmm. we've talked about, I've talked a lot about Abreu. Uh, he must know that August is coming because we know that When August, when the calendar flips to August, Abreu becomes Zeus and he comes down from the heavens and slays all pitchers like mortals. Uh, His numbers in August are insanely stupid good. And with those two performing the way that they have been hitting lately, and then you add in Tim Anderson, who has been red hot at the leadoff spot. Yeah, it does make sense that the White Sox have the most productive offense right now in Major League Baseball in the month of July Do you think or do you have confidence? I know that it's all right handed pitching for Milwaukee, Mm -hmm. but do you think that these White Sox hitters, the way they have been performing lately, have a better shot? I think it's a good test. Like, I think this will prove, I think Mancata
2: is, you know, knock on wood, he's back. Like, I think he's back in his current form. Just a matter of uh, what gets in the way of that form, whether any of the soreness he had in his shoulder can flare up again or whether that's something behind him but the bat speed is back the contact is loud triple digits uh exit velocity on a regular basis so i'm convinced he's back as long as his body lets him be but that's yeah as far as we can tell like i'm optimistic um tim anderson goes hot and cold but at least you know when he's hot Right-handed, left-handed doesn't make a huge difference. I mean, he can crush lefties, but he can also, you know, get singles against righties. Maybe he doesn't hit righties for power, but he gets on base. And then a Bray who just, you know, he can belt, uh, you know, the ball out to right field. Uh, you can just take what righties are giving him, pitch him off the plate, go with it. So those three are fine. I think it's, uh, you know, kind of Jake Berger is somebody who supplemented the offense in a very helpful way. Gavin Sheets has. Burger's strikeout rate is above 30% right now. I'm kind of waiting for the wheels to fall off there a little bit, which is, I mean, completely understandable. Like, I not a criticism of yeah. him, you know, given uh, the layoff he had. But just, you know, it's it's a case where, you know, you're going to have, like, that's a post I, I have in mind. Is uh, I'm tipping my hand here, but just like the, the sequence that the White Sox have had to kind of like bring this full circle, like going from Mercedes to you know Brian Goodwin to Adam Engel coming back to Gavin Sheets to Jake Beer, like all these guys kind of popping up, just as like one's getting knocked down, another one pops up to just provide above average offense for like three weeks. And that's all he needed because uh, when, th- when three weeks passes, another guy is back up or comes back. So uh, with with Eloy Jimenez waiting in the wings to come back, just trying to get his timing all the way back in Charlotte, like pretty much, you know, if Jake Berger, if this is like his last, you know, good weekend uh, with the White Sox this year, um, he'll have served a very valuable purpose. And it's uh, it's really cool to see the way, uh, you know, after watching for years, White Sox, rookies come in and immediately get exposed for their lack of play discipline and not have the hit tool to compensate. Like to have all these rookies coming up and providing immediately, even if there are some uncomfortable moments afterwards when disappointment sets in that they have to negotiate, at least, you know, they at least prove that they can hang and at least, you know, at least gives them confidence when they come back up that they have done it versus, you know, I'm thinking of like the, you know, Marcus Semyon, Josh Fegley, you just like the random uh, guys from previous rebuilds who came up and just struggled uh, for months, if not in the case of like Avi Garcia, years before it finally clicked. Like having at least the immediate uh, idea of how it's supposed to work
1: and then hopefully fine tuning it from there. So before we sign off here, and for those that are watching a live stream, again, our friends from the 108, they're going to start live streaming around 8.30 p.m. Central time Uh, So definitely check out as far as their episode. I'm sure they have more thoughts about Milwaukee uh, coming up as far as this weekend. Uh, And yeah, always a great show. So again, at 8.30 p.m. Central Time, we're part of this White Sox Twitter must-see Thursdays. Uh, They're going to be next after this episode of Sox Machine Live. But before we sign off, the White Sox have the day off. I'm sure Rick Hahn did not have the day off. And there's still time to make a roster move. So let's, I guess, use our imagination. If there is a roster move tomorrow to prep for the White Sox for this series, what do you envision that one roster move could be? You know, I really,
2: you know, Eloy could theoretically come back, but I don't think it really helps in the National League Park <laughs> right
1: now. Just That, that was the one yeah. that I thought of, to yeah, be honest, Jim, was... Surprise, Eloy Jimenez is back. It's with the It's possible.
2: Like, let me see. Is he in the lineup tonight? Because that would kind of tip it
1: off. I think. Uh, uh he. Even if he is, though, I I still think they would have they would have played him, because he could just hop on a flight to Milwaukee from Charlotte, maybe even in the morning.
2: True, but usually they tip their hand with uh, the the day off, travel oh, day the day they? before. And Jimenez is in the lineup. He's one for three at the uh, with a double and a strikeout thus far. Uh, so that would surprise me if he came back for the series. So I think it's more or less as is right now, unless they pull a trade, which, you know, was what we've
1: been talking about for a reliever. Yeah. These, uh, you mentioned it. Can the white Sox starters get to the seventh inning, the sixth and seventh inning in these games for the white Sox and Brewers is going to be the danger zone. Cause <laughs> <laughs> Milwaukee, they've got two awesome relievers and Devin Williams and Josh Hader and the white Sox have two awesome relievers and Michael Kopech and Liam Hendricks. But getting to those guys sometimes is a bit shaky uh, for both teams. And, And we'll see in how the sixth and seventh innings are played in this series. And hopefully on Monday Sox Machine podcast after the ESPN Sunday Night Baseball broadcast, uh, we're talking about another White Sox series win, but this is going to be a very fun series to watch, and I am I'm hopeful that the White Sox can win this series. If they don't, I'll just chalk it up as it's a tough road series against a quality opponent in Milwaukee. Uh, you know, just stacked right-handed starting pitching. The White Sox haven't made a significant trade yet. They're still not at full power. There's nothing to fret about as the White Sox will go from Milwaukee, fly to Kansas City. And in the middle of that Kansas City series, Aloy's 20 days will be up for his rehab. So if he's not going to be with White Sox during the Brewers series, he is most definitely going to be showing up uh, next week in Kansas City. uh, At least by the Wednesday game, halfway through the series, Uh, his 20 days is up. Which means that the following weekend, with Cleveland coming to visit the south side... That would be Aloy Jimenez's first home weekend series of the 2021 season, uh, right at the end of the month of July. And that is going to be a very festive crowd, and it will be another festive weekend, I assume. Over 100,000 fans for those three games between the White Sox and Cleveland, which is very exciting. It's a very exciting time to be a White Sox fan. So. I appreciate everyone watching this live stream of Socks Machine Live. Thank you guys so much for doing so. Uh, if you are not subscribed to our YouTube channel, uh, go to youtube.com slash Machine and subscribe. That way you get alerts on when the new episodes of Socks Machine Live are coming up. And if you already subscribe to our YouTube channel, thank you so much. For those listening to the audio, uh, as far as this podcast, you can subscribe to the Socks Machine podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy our work and want more, go to patreon.com slash socks Machine, where our Patreon supporters get exclusive content, they get ad-free versions of the podcast and website, and they get a first opportunity as well for our Socks Machine swag, in which we just ended our pre-order. Right, Jim, as far as the Socks Machine caps? Yes. Okay. Yep, the caps are in production. Right. Excellent. Excellent. So again, if you enjoy our work and want more, Go to patreon.com slash and sign up today. Sox Machine Live is a production of SoxMachine.com, part of the Blue Wire podcast network and your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball. Alongside Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. We hope to see you Saturday in Milwaukee at American Family Park, a.k.a. Miller Park, for the big Sox Machine and from the 108 tailgate. And if we do not see you on Saturday, we'll chat with you guys on a new episode of the Sox Machine podcast on Monday. Thank you for watching and thank you for listening.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium?